Welcome back, everyone. Uh, I'm here joined once again uh, with Mike Morales and Jeremy Crawford. Gentlemen, very nice to see you again. Good cool. to see you. Yeah, thanks for having us. I guess good to hear you again. I forget that we're... I'm face-to-face, and we're over the airwaves and the internet. So they can hear us, but you can yes, also see us. I can see us, and I can tell you they look lovely. They're both fine-looking gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> I, got, I got especially primped up to do the podcast. They're my favorite bow tie. <laughs> uh, so we're here, as usual, to talk uh, about D&D Next, the playtest is going really well. A lot of the feedback has been, I mean, a ton of feedback has been coming in. I get reports daily on the feedback and our forums and our community, and it seems to be just going extremely well. Um, so yeah, I'll just toss it to you guys. I mean, you guys are getting a ton of feedback. What's been going great for, or what have you guys been, your opinions, give us your opinions on this. So uh, it's, yeah, it's been, it's been really good feedback. The best thing has been that outside of healing, um, the core system has gone over very well. Now, the irony being that for our next playtest packet, we haven't changed too much too many of our rest mechanics. Uh, there's a hit die mechanic that's in the, the draft right now. We haven't had time to get to that yet, so we're just going to kind of go out with our test. Um, but yeah, we've gone through that, that feedback, and we are putting together our next packet. Um, and we're lining up the core rules changes, which there aren't too many, and really where a lot of the work is taking place is on the classes and to make sure they're, they feel like D&D classes, that they're interesting um, and evocative because our plan is for our next uh, playtest packet that this will be your chance to make characters. Yeah, Ooh. yeah, yeah. That, that, that'll be the, the big thing in, in the next packet is that rather than uh, having just pre-gens to play with, you'll be able to make your own character. Yeah. And, and we'll still have pre-gens for people who just, you know, if you are, you have your playtest set up and someone just wants to jump in, we'll have some pre-gens available. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so we've gone through each of the character classes. We'll be covering levels one to five, and you'll, you'll be able to make up your own characters, and that will show off a bit more of with the pre-gens, how the pre-gens ended up where they are, and I think for every class, I think every class has some new mechanic we've added that involves, at least it's tied to the choices you make in character creation. I think the rogue might be the only, no, even the rogue has, has a new mechanic. Mm-hmm. So the, um, it's been pretty exciting. I believe that we, um, the wizard mechanic, we do have a new one we're working on. But it is very unlikely it'll be available for the next playtest mm-hmm. because that is one that the wizard was kind of funny with our feedback. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, Jeremy, but I think overall the, the wizard feedback was positive. Yes. Well, I mean, and in general, feedback has not only been positive about all aspects of the game, um, but also overwhelming. I mean, yeah. we have never seen as much playtest feedback oh, it's ridiculous. For, for anything for Dungeons & Dragons as we have seen for D&D Next. Yeah, I think it is by far the largest tabletop playtest ever. Right. Like, it's not even yeah. close. Yeah. <laughs> it, has been, it has been wonderful and mind-boggling. Yeah. But so, so right now, what, what you'll see is we have there are some core rules issues we know that are out there, like critical hits, for instance, we want to make more exciting. We've got feedback on that. Um, healing, there are some tweaks. Um, one thing you'll see in the next playtest packet is that the the math in general, everything is shrinking. So things will have fewer hit points, but they'll also do less damage. So 
our hope is that having played the first round of playtest with hit point numbers being a little bit inflated, when you play the second time, you're getting a similar play experience, but just with strictly simpler math and math that grows a bit better. Um, and you'll see this really as you start seeing higher levels that the math is a bit more under control. I mean, really the changes we've made make the math smoother across all levels, specifically for hit points. Um, so you'll see your character it will have fewer hit points, but will generally be doing less damage, and the same will be true. Um, monsters, actually, their hit points, it's really the big monsters, like the ogre, that's hit points have changed a lot. Right. Orcs, goblins are pretty much the same, but their, their damage has come down a bit. Although, although actually, on the player character side, there are an, quite a few damage expressions that will not change. Yeah, like spells, for instance. Yes. Yeah. Now, the other thing, too, is we've got a lot of complaints about healing. Healing actually has not changed. You get just as much healing as you did before, but now you just have fewer hit points, but damage is lower. So it's a little bit about we have like two or three things moving at once. So that's going to be a big thing for us to test and make sure that the, the gameplay feels right. What we're hoping is that people feel like you're doing as much adventuring as you did in the first packet. Um, you might feel like you're a little, in a little bit more danger because you have fewer hit points, but again, you're taking less damage. But healing now feels much more potent because we did not roll back the amount of healing. If anything, clerics have uh, are actually coming out, I think, ahead with a little more healing for clerics. Yes, yep. through, through the channel divinity. Yeah, so one of the things we decided to do was rather than force cleric players to, to choose between healing and spells, we're just giving you automatic healing, similar to what how 4th edition handled where clerics just yeah. had a certain amount of healing. So, so we'll be rolling that out. Um, and, and, yeah, and as you mentioned, the, the wizard change uh, is still to come, but exciting. Yeah, it, it's, we're looking at really um, taking things that speak to how wizards use magic so things like uh, maybe wild magic or right. different things like that could become... School specialization. Exactly. <laughs> but these are all just different approaches wizards can take. So when you make your wizard, you're also picking how your wizard uses spells. Um, and then for the fighter, we have a completely new mechanic that we just been started playtesting this past week. Um, it's a unique to the fighter mechanic. No other class gets it. And if it works, I hope it works, because so far I really like playing it, <laughs> um, it, it, it will give players the sense of the fighter as being a highly skilled combatant who uh-huh. has a lot of flexible options each round. But at the same time, and again, this is going to be a tricky thing to get, but I think this is a good mechanic to do it with. People who want the simple fighter will be able to do it with this with the, with this character. People who want a complex fighter can also opt into that. Right. right. So again, having that scalability, we've been looking for. Yeah. yeah. There'll, there'll so, be there'll be a a complexity dial built into the class yeah. that a player can turn up and down. And the thing that I think is exciting is that a person will be able to turn that dial for the same fighter over the course of that fighter's career yeah. based on the choices they make for that fighter. Yeah. So they might start simple but decide, oh, I'd actually like a few more tactical options. Yeah. And they can they can begin working those options into how they play their character. And th- this is a new set of... It's a new ability that is unique to the fighter. So if you're playing a paladin, you would not be using this mechanic. Right. It's for fighters only. Um, <laughs> so, which is actually kind of interesting because I think, well, now if you multi-class fighter or cleric, it gets pretty interesting how that works together. Right. So, so, yeah, I'm actually... I'm pretty excited to see it. Um, we're playtesting it internally, and um, that will be ready for the next playtest packet. Wow, excellent. All right, so we're talking about the next playtest packet. Now let's talk about our next uh, showing, which, will, of course, is going to be Gen Con. What can we expect to see from D&D Next at Gen Con this year? So we um, have the opportunity for people to playtest. Um, the 
new material that we are talking about now will be available at Gen Con. Yeah, that's that's when this packet will definitely be available. Yeah. Now, will this be the first? This, this will be the first time that this new playtest material is available. Will be at Gen Con. Um, it's not clear yet. Can... One of the things we're working through is figuring out how, as far as downloads. The last time we had our first download, there was a lot of issues, so right. we're working through that. Um, so it'll be around Gen Con, whether it's before or after, will just depend on what we can do for our infrastructure as far as people being able to download the packet. Right, so. but you're guaranteed. If you're at Gen Con, you're oh, guaranteed to. Yep, all right. exactly. Absolutely. That's if, if you're at Gen Con, you definitely will get to see all this stuff. That's fantastic. Because at Gen Con, we'll have paper. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is the old-fashioned computer stuff. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so, that, so that, that'll be really exciting. And that's where we're aiming for to get all this work done. And um, I believe we will have the, the option. Uh, so if you're playing in one of the D&D Next play tests, um, actually, I'm really excited about Gen Con this year because what we have is... Um, the DD Next play tests are part of an entire track of programming where uh, if you visit our booth, if you play the, the next play test, we have a fourth edition D&D adventure you can play, a dungeon command, um, uh, wow. like learn to play thing. For each event you go to, we have a unique set of six dice, a D20, 12, 10, <laughs> 6, 8, 4, with a special drow design. Oh, wow. And so for each event you participate in, you get a different die. If you do all six, you get all six dice. That's awesome. So yeah, so we're pretty excited about that, and it's going to tie together, ties to our year of the drow promotion we're doing this year, and ties to the events at Gen Con. Um, so yeah, it's going to be pretty cool. And it's going to be right outside. Our booth this year is right at the main entrance of the exhibit hall. And right across the hall will be our main play area for the D&D events. Um, the, the D&D events that involve like, the, the Dungeon Command and the Drow. Right. The main, like uh, the RPGA events will be over in the Marriott this year. Oh, okay. So Excellent. more convenient for people to go ro- ro- roll out of bed, leave your hotel room, go down the stairs, the elevator, <laughs> or the D&D room. So. And play in your pajamas. Exactly. So, that's, and how we, and, that's how we play anyway. That's how, that's how we play test is my pajamas. <laughs> I think maybe this year we should do our seminars in our pajamas. Yeah, exactly, right? <laughs> now I have to wear the, do you wear the official wizard shirt to bed that's no I don't <laughs> wizard shirt pajama bottoms yeah. uh, so um, another thing that people have given us feedback about is monsters uh, in addition to healing that's another area where people um, can tell that the the monsters in the first play test packet um, are definitely a work in progress uh, in the next packet, people are going to still see that uh, monsters are going through a lot of evolution. Yeah, uh, they will have they will have taken a few evolutionary steps uh, <laughs> uh, since May, uh, but they still have a long way to go. And yeah. and I bring this up not only to to specifically bring up monsters, but also just to talk about the process in general. Right. The it, it's very easy amid all the excitement for for even some of us in here at Wizards of the Coast to start thinking about some of this playtest material as if it's a published game. Yeah. And the thing is, is it, it this is all a work in progress. Uh, things are going to change. Some things that appeared in May might stay in the form that they appeared in all the way until the game's release. But there are other things that are going to change wildly. Yeah. And and one of those one of the areas that we know absolutely is going to change dramatically are monsters. Yeah. Wow. And, and the same thing applies to magic items. So yeah. for both of them we have our what we know what we want to do. It's just prioritizing. So right now the design is again get the first five levels of those characters. The core system's been tested. We know areas we want to improve it. Now we want to get character creation tested. And then after that, we'll probably move to DM adventure creation and things like that. And that's where monsters and magic items will become more prominent. Right. Um, so it's really just about stepping through. Um, other areas where there'll be big changes, uh, the armor system has been com- completely redone. Yes. The weapon table has been completely redone. Um, 
because there was obviously there was a lot of uh, people pointed out a lot of flaws in that. We mm-hmm. also knew that when we 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 put it in the playtest packet, it wasn't completely done. It was kind of a you know a first draft. Right. So um, those are two other areas that didn't really change, and I think that covers most of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the um, again the real thing now is you get feedback on character creation. Do the races feel right now that people get to see the guts behind them? Do the classes feel right? Do the choices you're making, are they interesting? We also want character creation to be fairly quick. If you're making a first level character, it shouldn't take long. Um, you know, we're aiming for like 10 minutes or so to make all your choices. Oh, wow. There's also some things where you'll see some streamlining, like for instance now, um, rather than buy equipment, which you can still do if you want, but the default is your character class and your background give you your equipment. Hmm. So if you're playing a fighter, you'll get a suit of armor. You can pick a couple weapons. You get your adventurer's pack, things like that. So it's you don't that, that's one step which you can opt into. If you want to go through and spend a budget, you can do that. But if you just want to make up a character, save some time, you can just write down the gear that you get for free. Yeah, and even even some of the the background specific pieces of equipment have already appeared in the pre-generated characters that we sent out because our players will notice that in some of the pre-generated characters there are rather odd things on some of the character sheets. Right. And many of those things are there as flavorful items from a particular character's background. Yeah. You know, because a character is a noble, they have, you know, these items that are signs of their nobility. Right. And speaking of backgrounds and their cousin themes, um, I don't know if we're going to roll this up for the playtest, but we're thinking of changing themes, calling them specialties. Yeah. So and, that's another thing. It, that will be in the next packet. Yeah, and that gives a clear definition of what we want each of those things to represent in the world. Because um, we had talked about, like, is, is something like a bounty hunter, is that a theme or is that a background? And what we've decided is that's a background. Backgrounds you don't necessarily give up when you become an adventurer. Like, they may still be something, like, you still are a noble if that's your background. You might not act like a noble because you're adventuring, but it's still something you are. So background becomes more of what your character does in the world. Class is what you are, and your spe- your specialty is how you do those things. It's not a big change. I mean, it'll just be a, you'll see a different term in the playtest, but I think it helps us from a design standpoint. And in making the game easy to understand that we just have very clear categories that things fall into. So. Wow, that's some exciting changes coming for this next playtest, actually. Like, why, why are we not at Gen Con? <laughs> wow. Uh, so, again, gentlemen, thank you guys very much for taking time out of your schedules uh, for this This really, this really is a really, really good update. I'm very, very excited to see these playtests, these changes come. Uh, and remember, if you're going to be at Gen Con, it's your first chance to, to see some of these playtests on paper form. It's a rare form nowadays <laughs> called paper. Uh, so, guys, again, thank you very, very much for, for stopping by. And, uh, and yeah, just look, uh, we look forward to many, many more changes coming and many more playtests. Cool. Fantastic. Thanks. Thanks for having us. No problem. Thanks. Uh, welcome back. I am joined by three more amazing gentlemen. Uh, I'm just going to actually let you introduce yourselves to the public. I'm Rodney Thompson. I'm an advanced designer on Dungeons & Dragons and one of the designers on Dungeon Command. Hi, I'm Chris Dupuy. I'm one of the designers here at Dungeons & Dragons, and I also am one of the designers on Dungeon Command. I am Peter Lee, and surprisingly, I am also a D&D designer and a designer for Dungeon Command. And in case you haven't picked up on the theme here, we are talking about Dungeon Command. Uh, so for those who are listening to the podcast that may not know, gentlemen, what is Dungeon Command? Dungeon, Span- Dungeon Command is a uh, tacticals miniature skirmish game uh, where you have cards in your hand uh, that you are playing to flavor the actions that your creatures on the battlefield are taking. 
basically it's a, a takeoff on the existing Dungeons and Dragons uh, miniatures concept in general. You have a small warband of creatures that you're commanding that fight against your opponent's warband. You play a you're you're represented by a commander character, and then you're issuing orders to those guys through the cards. So it's got a sort of squad based tactics feel to it. People familiar with the miniature games will see a lot of similarities between this and our previous one, but uh, there, there's a, a big difference where a lot of the uh, powers you see on the on the uh, creature cards have been taken off and put into a separate order deck, and that is how you uh, send commands and orders to uh, your miniatures and have their powers. So Fireball, instead of being on the creature's card, would be on a separate card, so any wizard could technically use the Fireball card. And unlike previous miniatures games or other miniatures games where you start and you pick a warband and your whole warband starts on the battlefield and you fight to the last man, uh, Dungeon Command starts with a smaller warband and as the game goes on, more and more reinforcements come in to help support your troops. Anyone familiar with some of the other games mean realize that a lot of these points you get about two-thirds of the game and you know who's won because you've eliminated almost all their warband. This one takes that tension and reverses it, so as the game goes on, the game gets more tense and more exciting. That is very true. I played for the first time uh, today and was having a blast and thought I was thought I was going to lose for a little bit until I managed to get out of my copper dragon, and then I was like, what's up now? I was like, come at me, bro. You cannot stop me. <laughs> yeah, the idea is basically exactly what Pete said, to keep the tension growing, and so basically, since you only gain more more creature resources, basically, your armor, your armor either gets bigger or you bring out bigger creatures as it goes along. Right. Yeah, it is kind of... Uh kind of awesome to just be like, oh, I guess I'm just going to play my dragon now, since that's all I have. Yeah. <laughs> be like, well, that's awesome. Let's you just play the dragon. It's that time in the game. It's, yeah. it's dragon time. It's dragon time. Everybody runs away. <laughs> right? Uh, so now, so we've done, obviously, different games in the past. We went from our, our D&D adventure games to Lords of Waterdeep to now Dungeon Command. Where did the idea for this new type of game come from? And I, I say new as in new to us, not as in new out in the world. I am a huge huge miniature fan. Uh, I mean, my Twitter handle is Mini Pete, so uh, that, that speaks of miniatures, obviously. Um, it is uh, a lot of... Uh, <laughs> and, there it is. and there we go. <laughs> yep. As, as you were saying? As I was saying, yes. Um, I'm a huge miniatures fan. Um, the uh, the the start of this game happened about two years ago when we were, you know, what can we do to to serve the D and D audience? And we were wrapping up on the sales of the, the random product. And and one thing that a lot of people wanted was I want my orcs in a box or my my. Uh, goblins in a box, and this was uh, our answer for how can we get uh, flavorful groups of miniatures out and also have it um, be a, a fun experience on its own. So not only can you buy it for for your, your role-playing game, but also as a, a standalone game. Um, so as we go on, each one of these will will have a, a group. So the Heart of Cormir is is a, an adventure box and with dwarves and elves and heroes, and Dungeon Command or uh, Stingaloth is is a 
a drow box with spiders and drow and uh, a, an umber hulk and a drider just to, to get a very underdark sort of uh, feel for that box. So that's sort of the start. Um, when we, we went down to design the game, uh, I sat down and made a list of, of what sort of uh, things uh, I, I enjoyed in the previous game, uh, previous miniature game, and, and what what can we do better? Uh, and and one of the big things was that interest curve that that the the excitement ramps up as you play the game instead of uh, um, losing options as you play the game. So we wanted more options as the game progressed, some more excitement. Um, I think the game really took a big turn, and probably it's the thing that makes the game most distinctive right now. Once we got pretty well into development and decided to take the dice out of it, because miniatures games typically use dice as a primary resolution system, and one of the things we were finding is that as a result of that list that Pete had made, we had come up with this idea that okay, you've got these order cards that you're using to command your guys, and so you get this sort of double jeopardy element where if I draw the wrong card, well, okay, that's not great, or if I like the cards in my hands aren't great, or okay, I've got the I finally got the really great card that I want, and then I play it and I roll the dice and it doesn't work, right? And so we, we ended up with this element that's like, oh, okay, it's random what orders you get, but then it's also random whether they succeed or not. It's it led us down this path where we, we asked the question, you know, is it is it actually fun and good for the game to fail with these with these order cards that you've drawn? And that pushed us down a possibly crazy at the time path of removing that D20 from the game and just making it a pure strategy game. And that, I think, those were sort of the two big early turning points for the game was the interest curve like Pete was talking about and then removing the die. And then, of course, from there, lots of other things fell into place. But I think that you can probably trace the, the genesis of what makes Dungeon Command unique back to those two things. Well, yeah, I don't think I actually imagine playing with that element of D20 because it's like you've got this amazing card and you're like, oh, I'm going to play this amazing card. Oh, it didn't work. What, yeah, what's kind of interesting is that when you've got that failure element, when you've got that die that you can roll to miss, it tended to create situations where we didn't want to put anything too awesome on a card because you get that feel bad of like, well, I played the card... Oh, and I missed. Well, yeah. now I've wasted this awesome card, right? It, it's strange that the randomness, you know, sort of hurt the design a little bit in that way. As soon as we could rely on this thing to go off, by and large, all of a sudden it's it pushes us towards a little bit bolder and more exciting design on these cards because we can rely on that excitement. Like, when I've got that card in my hand, I'm excited to use it because I know it's going to work. Now, obviously then we have to introduce some element of uncertainty where... Uh, you know, I'm going to play my awesome attack card, and you play a card to dodge it. Yes, mine didn't go off, but at the same time, that other player is now feeling awesome because, aha, I used my awesome card to do a thing, right? So it keeps that that level of excitement high on the cards, which I think is really, really important. Yeah, the rough thing with any of the dice-driven ones is every once in a while you roll a roll of one, and, and, you know, that's fine, you, you miss. But when you start rolling your fifth or sixth you know, one in a game, you get really tired and frustrated, and, and that's not fun, you know. Uh, 
so we, the, the, the blocking cards, sure, you, the, your opponent can block some of your things, but he's only got a limited number of those before your attacks have to go through. Right. Basically, you can you, it adds an element of strategy to the game where I've got my awesome card that I want to use in my hand. Maybe I've got a few other cards that aren't quite as awesome. So I start using those early to burn through my opponent's counter cards, right? His blocks, his dodges, things like that. Once I feel like I've finally depleted his resources or got myself into a really tactically advantageous position, then I drop the hammer, and that feels really great. We talked about the design of the, the order cards. What made you guys decide that you wanted to remove abilities from creatures and put them on these order cards? Because like, I actually really, really enjoyed that when I was playing through Like, I loved drawing an order card and be like, all right, which one of my creatures can use this? Because it was nice to have a couple of characters with strength out there and be like, any one of these creatures can use this order card in my hand. It was ultimately to help foster creativity when you're um, creating the warband yourself. Um, with some of the older game, you would you would take uh, you would take a creature and it would have magic missile or snake swiftness or whatever spell on it, and you would be forced to use that with that creature. And by taking off that power onto its separate deck, you explode the combinations and and make it just a lot more fun. And one of the early things I think that Pete and I sort of hit on when we were talking about order cards was. In uh, other miniatures games where all the abilities are on the creature itself, basically you customize your warband by putting that creature in, right? In Dungeon Command, not only do you customize your warband by putting that creature in, you're actually also customizing your creatures by the selection of order cards you put in. So we've got an internal league going, and one of the things I wanted to do was I wanted to put a lot of sort of spell castiness in my in my deck, and so I'm playing a, or my warband. I'm playing a warband that has a lot of intelligence-based creatures because they're sort of our wizard archetype characters. And so when I did that, I was like, okay, now I've got these wizard type guys. What kind of thing? do I want my wizard type guys to do and that determined the selection of order cards that I was putting in so in a lot of ways order cards are the way that you customize your creatures whereas some other games you're sort of stuck with what your creature does right. and plus it adds a lot of variety to the game I mean any game where you're drawing from a, from a deck is there's a lot of uncertainty like oh am I going to get these cards like I, I played against Pete the other day and Pete just drew all the right cards at all the right times I drew all the wrong cards at all the wrong times uh, at least that's the story that I'm going with to explain why he beat me uh, but basically you know I didn't draw any of my my spells uh, at the right time basically and it's like well okay that means that this game was different from the last game where I drew all the right spells at the right time or I had to be a little more clever with it so it adds a lot of variety that's a lot of replay, replay value to the game, too. Nothing? Nothing, Chris? No. no. Alright. Just making sure. You should be over there like the this silent... Is, this was all before my time. <laughs> yeah, I only showed up last year, so they're all talking about the past. Alright, well, let's talk about some of the work you've... Because, you've, I mean, these guys are going to talk a lot if we don't if we don't stop them. Yeah, we're chatterboxes. I've, yeah. I've done they podcasts don't stop. with them. This is I, how I don't get work done. I, <laughs> but, so, Chris, talk about uh, your your role in, in the development slash design slash creation of, of Dungeon Command. Uh, well, when I showed up, uh, Dungeon Command was in a pretty stable state. Uh, we were setting up for the uh, public playtest, and uh, these guys were getting ready to uh, head off to Gen Con. So I basically had to learn the system, and while they were gone, kind of understand the system so that when we got back, we could start working on the next uh, couple of sets. Uh, and those are, you can get one of each ready to go right out of the box, your players. But we've the thing we've hit on most of the time we're talking is the customization. 
Um, so let's talk about it. Obviously, you guys set out to be able to make this game customizable. Uh, Ronnie talked a lot about the league that we have. What made you guys come up with the idea of not only are we going to put miniatures in this box so people can have their miniatures for um, for their own adventures or if they want to play Dungeon Command, but you wanted to make this game, I guess, accessible is what we're looking for. So that for, for those that love that sort of customization. When we... we started on this, uh, we were having some really preliminary discussions on D&D Next, and one of the things that came up was the importance of, of the ability scores, and we took that and, and turned uh, those ability scores into the order cards, so there's effectively six different uh, ability scores, and, and that was the, the thing uh, that, that we ended up near the end of the preliminary design with, with Kevin Tatrell, that um, really sort of solidified how we can do the customization. So once we got to that, uh, it was a thing where you would just choose uh, oh, two or three of these ability scores and, and build your, your band around that. So if you wanted to do a, a heavy spellcasting band with some bodyguards, you might think intelligence and constitution or intelligence and strength. Or if you wanted to do a really uh, tricky positional thing with a lot of leadership, it would be a charisma and and dexterity, and and that was the heart of how we could uh, get the the flavor of your individual deck and and uh, your your way to personalize the game. Um, yeah, I think one of the things we've seen with our games up to this point, especially like the adventure system games, which weren't yeah. designed at all, well weren't designed intentionally, let's say, uh, for people to customize them, yet there is a huge fan customization community out there, right? People, I, I think it's just sort of an endemic part of the D&D culture that people want to take the game and make it their own, right? right? And so even with a board game, which is supposed to be a fixed experience that you know we've designed, that you're supposed to sit down and play with no preparation, there's some guys out there doing some really amazing things with those games. When it came time for us to work on Dungeon Command, though, you know, we're sort of sitting down, we're starting fresh on a new game, and it's got these elements, like Pete said, with the ability scores and the order cards, it's got the elements in place for that customization. So while each box is perfectly playable against, you know, each other or against a custom warband, and in fact, one of the things that we've been finding is that you're still relatively competitive when you're playing with a, a, a standard out-of-the-box warband as compared to a customized one. It's very, very competitive, and of course, the, the luck of the draw has a lot to go on it, right? At the same time, there's a lot of really fun and exciting things you can do by building your own. So we sort of give you the best of both worlds. Do you just like to play the out-of-the-box experience? Great. Get a faction pack, crack it open, sit down and play. Do you want to customize and kit bash and design your own warbands to your heart's content? Great. We've got that in there for you. So basically, we want this game to be an open thing that people feel like they can experience it the way they want to experience it. I think that's just sort of a general philosophy that D&D as a whole is heading towards is that a lot of people experience D&D in a lot of different ways, either through the board game or through customization or through the, you know, the standard thing. And we want to facilitate that going forward. And Dungeon Command, I think, is the, one of the first steps really in that direction. Awesome. All right, so we've talked uh, we've talked about the customization. We've talked about how the game has changed uh, internally. I remember at Gen Con last year when it was like, sign up for the playtest for you know the new miniatures game. How did the playtest help shape the, the game that we have now? One of the things we did early on was uh, 
uh, a rule that actually was was brought up in the first review uh, that that, that uh, their first reviewer uh, America loved was the ability to untap at the end of your turn, and that was something that definitely came out of uh, the early playtests. Uh, I remember showing the game to a couple people at Gen Con, uh, and the rule for tapping when you have cover was uh, uh, something that, that just came out of, of those first playtests with uh, old D&D miniature fans and that rule sort of came in and, and, and once we had that rule it was like oh my god it should have been this from the beginning and we added that pretty quickly so uh, a lot of the, the core rules in this game were definitely inspired both by uh, the, that online playtest as well as the playtests at, at Gen Con that, that I did. Yeah, the open playtest did a lot of good things for us, and it did a lot of little things for us, and then a lot of big things, right? Like the, right. the untap at the end of your turn, that's obviously a pretty big thing, right? Yeah. And the cover, etc. But then there's a lot of little things like you know what, we think that these hit points should be in increments of 10 instead of 5, right? And, like, that's a little thing that's just we, we yeah. turn a dial on the numbers, but it's something that we saw consistently coming out of our playtest yeah. feedback, so it was like, you know, that's, that's fine, we can make that change and respond to the audience. I think that, in general, uh, the playtest did a lot to confirm our suspicions about things that we were ourselves dubious about but at the same time so there, there weren't a ton of huge surprises but at the same time the feedback that we were getting from people about the very specific things that they were were liking and not liking definitely shaped the way the mechanics ended up shaking out uh, and of course that playtest ended up serving as sort of our first foray into the broad open playtesting that right. we're doing now with RPG. So I think that uh, it did a lot for the game, but I think it also did a lot for us as designers, seeing how uh, people who hadn't experienced the game internally before, how they reacted to it, that was very, very valuable. I think uh, the whole change we did from the vault and, and gold to uh, morale on the airship also started because yeah. of some of the confusion that people... Well, confusion might be the wrong word, but some of the 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 disconnect the disconnect of the yeah. gold uh, was coming out in the forums uh, in the in the playtest forum. But a lot of people liked the system. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people were really excited about the the vault and supply system. So we knew we wanted to keep that mechanic. Uh, but definitely the disconnect with giving your opponent more resources. Right. Switch that up. Yeah, that's a great example of where we knew that there was an issue, but we also knew that people liked this element a lot. So we had to do with sort of unpack the thing that they liked from it and say, okay, what they actually like is the sort of escalating tension and stuff like that. Right. What the, what's not working is the sort of the flavor and then having it all as one resource. So we we had to look beyond the the, the flavor and find what the the things deep down underneath were that they liked and didn't like and that really shaped the way things progressed. Hmm. Wow. It's actually really interesting to hear how, like the the changes that have, that have gone through, but that's that's how I am with anything. I love hearing what it was, what it is now, and like I said, it's a fantastic game. I actually am changing my plans tonight to actually <laughs> play this some more because after my first game, I was already thinking of customizations. Like I cannot wait to start customizing this. Mm. Um, so again, I want to change my plans. Let's talk about, uh, about game day. We got the Dungeon Command game day coming up. What can people expect to see if they go to their their game store and sign up and play? play in the Dungeon Command game day? Well, it's uh, it's uh, going to be the 21st and the 22nd of July, uh, and a lot, I, I don't 
know what the actual number of game stores it's putting out, but it's a lot uh, in North That's America. That's a number. A lot is yeah, a number. A lot. We'll say it's a lot. Um, but you can go to your stores, and they're going to have preview packs that uh, we've sent out, so that way they'll have it on the table. They'll be demoing it. Um, if you go there, uh, you get to test out the system. You know, if you're not sure if if the system's for you, go and play with a friend and, and see what it's all about. Uh, and we have a promotional mini uh, that if you go, uh, you can pick it up. It's the Drow Wizard from the uh, Sting of Wolf set. And because he is also an adventurer, his alternate paint scheme matches up with the adventures in the Heart of Cormier set. Uh, so if you wanted to make an adventure band, now your wizard <laughs> will match up color-wise. Oh, nice. It's uh, basically, it's the event is designed to get people to just test out the game. Right. There's also going to be, you know, if you, if you bought the game and you liked it, you should show up, bring your uh, bring your warbands with you and sit down and play because there's going to be a lot of people there uh, yeah. wanting to play as well. So basically, it's just a, sort of a chance to meet other players who are interested in the same game as you and hopefully start finding opponents. And get a sweet alt art mini. That's I mean. right. That's right. Yeah, it, the, having the, uh, the Drow Wizard in the uh, in the Cormier faction colors is like when I first looked at it, I was like, "Whoa, that looks so strange!" But then, you, <laughs> then you sit down and play against someone that's got it in their warband, and you're like, "Oh, okay, it, it's painted up just like the uh, the War Wizard and the, the yeah. uh, Purple yeah. Dragon Knight." Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's gonna be a lot of fun. We're we're hoping to bounce around to a couple of different stores on game day and oh, uh, meet some of the fans and play with them and and uh, you know just get people really excited about it. I think people are pretty excited about it. I mean, the reviews have been coming in, and there's been a lot of really good reviews for the game so far. So it's it's one of those things where, again, we put out yet another game that people are excited about, which is always good for us. And like I said, I played it for the first time and completely loved it. And like, can't wait to play again and start customizing and start seeing what I can do to you know stomp face in this game because it's fun to do stuff like that. And um, each, each set that comes out subsequently is just going to add more options to the game. It's kind of nice like that in that. So these initial two come out, and then we've got Goblins is the next set that comes out. The the Tyranny of Goblins, I think, is the actual oh, name of the set. Right? I love Goblins. Yes, it's going to be pretty exciting. But the nice part is, as soon as you've got that, then it benefits you when you're playing with the other two packs now because there's some things in the goblin pack that work well with the with the, the uh, drow and there's some things that work well with nice. the, the heart of cormier set so yeah. uh, each set really expands the total horizons of the whole game but each set also serves as an entry point so if you're just getting into it you can jump right in with that warband which is cool I wouldn't want to jump in with goblins. I'm just saying. <laughs> I think it's a really fun sort of mix in between the goblins and the and the drow warband, where you have a bunch of drow leading these goblin foot soldiers. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be a really aggressive deck, and yeah. I think Ooh. it'll be a lot of fun. Yeah, the nice part about each of these packs is that each one has a certain flavor to it, not just story-wise, but also mechanically, right? Like the, the drow set is very fast and mobile, and so most of the spiders move really quickly, and you've got a lot of cards that give you a little bit of extra movement, whereas the uh, the corner set is a little bit tougher, right? And then the goblin set is all about bum-rushing people with a horde of goblins, right? So, And there's also a couple of charismatic leaders in the goblin deck, so right. you've... You, you've it's the first chance you're going to have on, on charisma. That's right. right. Oh, I thought you guys put yourselves in the goblin. Right. <laughs> like, oh. A couple of charismatic leaders, <laughs> such as ourselves. 
It's just photographs of us in top hats with monocles, actually. <laughs> that's the Classy art. and charismatic. That's right. That's the art. That's the way it works. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, thank you very much. Uh, again, I've been talking with uh, Rodney, Chris, and Peter, uh, who were the designers on Dungeon Command. Um, again, a super fun game. Dungeon Command Game Day, July 21st and 22nd. Uh, you get an alt art paint mini uh, of the, is the it's the drow wizard drow wizard yes, yep. yes. Uh, and you can find other opponents guys again thank you for number one taking time out of your day to come do this uh, number two thank you for this game again it's a super fun game and I'm really glad that I got to talk with you guys and give some more insight uh, to the fans out there that want to know more about this stuff I'm glad you like it no problem yep. I also want to make sure I thank Kevin Tatro for his design as well he was a uh, a guy outside of the building that uh, I was working with with the preliminary design oh. of the game. So he was very important at the, the very beginning of, of this game. Well, thank you, Kevin. Thanks a lot, guys.